Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad continues in his sermon series titled Counter Culture as he speaks on what the Bible has to say about taming the tongue. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. Welcome to church this morning. We're continuing in our sermon series that we've been in now, if I counted correctly, last week was week eight. Uh, So uh, we have seven more messages in this series. So this will be a 15-week series total uh, called Counterculture, Speaking the Truth in Love. And what we've been doing is diving into a lot of issues that we face as followers of Christ in society. A lot of issues that are right up front and in our face that the culture is trying to sway us on and, and move us in that direction away from Christ, away from biblical principles and toward more of a godless, worldly culture that's seeping even into the church of 21st century America. So what does God's word say about that? And we've been looking at that through all these very major significant issues that, quite honestly, a lot of people don't know what God's word says about it, so therefore they don't know how they should stand as a follower of Christ because so many pastors just zip their lips and would rather not talk about it. And I mean, I'm going to be honest, these messages, these past seven, eight weeks have been hard on me. It's not easy to stand up here and preach this stuff. I'm just going to be straight honest with you because I know it's not making me popular, all right? I'm not here to be popular, though. I'm not here to to write a book and become a millionaire and and have a 10,000-member church. and, And that's not important to me. What's important to me is preaching God's word and being faithful so that one day, as we said in the beginning, the very first message of this series, that Brad, what did you do when you saw my word and you saw the sword was coming? What did you tell my people? Because if you don't, then their blood is on your hands. I can't have that, guys. So I have to stand up here, preach the truth in love when I know that it's counterculture, when I know it's not popular. And unfortunately, even amongst a lot of people in 21st century American churches today, But nonetheless, here we are because what we're doing, and I hope that the Lord has has led it this way, that each message has come in a heart of Scripture, totally and completely, without opinion, and in a heart that shows the love of Christ. That what God really wants is for us to move away from sinful patterns of life that will destroy us. So today's no different because now we're moving into another kind of situation that we all face in our society and even maybe struggle with in our own lives, in our own hearts. And it's the issue of taming the tongue. So that's the title of our message today and that's the focus of our talk today because we live in a culture and a world where the tongue is not tame, is it? Where the tongue can just run free and just bless somebody out and curse and you can't hardly listen to a TV show anymore, even on regular television, without four-letter words left and right, and you name it, it's there. And you can't hide from it anymore. You can't hide your kids from it anymore. It's everywhere. So what do we do? How do we respond? How do we act as a follower of Christ in a world that hasn't tamed the tongue? Do we join in? Is that one of our liberties in Christ? 
Ah, it don't matter. Is it? What does God's word say? We know communication is a big part of our life. It's a huge part of relationships and everything that we're a part of. And I looked some pretty cool uh, statistics up for you. Y'all ready? With some fun stuff. If You know how many words we speak around 7,000 words a day, statistics show. If you're a woman, you speak around 20,000 words per day. My wife's somewhere around that 40, 50 range, I'm pretty sure. Man, I mean, if, if the rumor was true, if you have a cell phone, like, for a long time, like, up next to your head, you get a tumor. If that was true, she'd have a grapefruit on the right side of her head. So I'm not sure that stuff's right. But anyway, if y'all need a, if y'all got a comfortable bed I can sleep in the next couple of nights, I might need it. All right, but we spend 30% of our life talking. Think about that. 30% of your life you spend talking. That's as much as you sleep. If you get eight hours a day of sleep, roughly, you spend a third of your life sleeping, you spend another third talking and saying words. That totals out to an average of 860,341,590 words that you will speak in your lifetime. Think about that. All the words you speak, which was kind of scary to me too, because in some fashion, I thought maybe it would be more. I'm like, that's not even a, a fraction of the national deficit. And you always heard, man, if I wish I had a dollar for every word they speak, man, you still wouldn't touch half of what we're in debt to. But anyway, that just blew my mind. But that's a lot of words nonetheless. So the focus is of those words, the Bible's very clear that they can be used for good or for evil. And every single one of us in this room have a commonality. We have all used words from our mouth at one time for evil. Every single one of us, me included. And even still, as followers of Christ and as church leaders and as pastors, we still struggle to tame our tongue. And if you say you don't, you're lying (laughs) right there. So we all are in this struggle, this battle, to tame our tongue. And James is going to allude to that today when we get into our teaching passage. A lot of you know I'm a physical therapist, so and, uh, I, I treat a lot of injuries. And I've seen so many times and heard stories of people who had a very significant ankle sprain or, or some type of injury that, that occurred. And a typical ankle sprain can Rehab anywhere from two to four, sometimes six weeks, depending on the severity. And we all maybe have twisted an ankle or know somebody twisted their ankle. What happens after you twist your ankle? It just whoosh, swells up, right? So you've got pain, swelling, inflammation, that whole thing. And, and you're, so you're treating it with rest, ice, compression, elevation, doing everything you can, non-weight bearing for a while, then gradual weight bearing, and, and then you should be on your way. But so many times I've seen after time, after that six-week period, that a lot of the symptoms don't resolve. And people would still be treating the symptoms. They'd be still be treating the pain, still be treating the swelling, still be treating the inflammation, treating the symptoms. But it wasn't getting better. And you wonder why. And then that person goes and gets an x-ray. And they look deeper and say, well, well the doctor scans and finds out, hey, you did more than just sprain your ankle. There's actually a hairline fracture in one of your bones. And so then the light comes on, oh, I've been treating the symptoms, 
But nothing got better until I was able to look on the inside and see what the real problem is. Anybody got a word from the Lord already? You see, so many times we try to treat the symptoms of our tongue. We just try hard. Oh, I, I shouldn't cuss. Oh, I, I shouldn't gossip. Oh, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say these things. And we try to treat the symptoms when the Bible is going to show us that we need a spiritual x-ray. And that's the only way that anything that comes out of our mouth and out of our tongue is ever going to change, is to get to the root of the problem that's in our heart and fix that. And that's where God wants to do. You see, we can try and try and try and try out of legalism, just, oh, I know I shouldn't cuss. Oh, I know I shouldn't say this. Oh, I know I shouldn't do that. It's bad, 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 bad. Okay, whatever. But until we get to the heart of the problem, it's never really going to change. And you're just like that ankle sprain that was really a fracture, you're going to be treating symptoms the rest of your life and never being getting down to the root of the problem. The Bible tells us the tongue is basically a window to our heart and our soul. It's like the check engine light. We all have vehicles, right? And when something's going on under the hood, the check engine light comes on. Guys, that's what our tongue can do for us. It can be a check engine light when, when bitterness and anger and, and cursing and, and words putting other people down start to come out of our mouth, there's a deeper issue under the hood that needs to be resolved. But how many of you, if the check engine light comes on your vehicle, you don't take it to the shop to get it looked at, you just put a piece of tape over the light, be like, ah, that's gone. <laughs> so many times that's kind of what we do spiritually to our tongue. We just ignore it and act like there's not a problem there and we're justified in our complaints and in our speech but so many times God wants to get under the hood and fix what's going on because then this is what God knows. And this is what God is that really his best in doing in our lives is when he changes us from the inside out. You see, that takes away all the legalism. That takes away all the effort of just trying to do good, trying to do good. When we let God transform us from the inside out. Luke chapter 6 tells us, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What does that mean? That means what's in your heart is going to come out through your mouth. And that's where the struggle is. And that's where it really is. Because we have an enemy that wants to infiltrate our mind, to steer our heart, and then spew out of our tongue and cause a lot of pain in this world. And we've all experienced that and been a part of that. So how do we, how do we fix it? We're going to look at God's way to deal with this. We see the tongue and the words that come out of our mouth are a reflection of what's on the inside of our heart. And God wants to transform us from the inside out so that we can tame the beast of our tongue. Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, and we thank you for who you are. Lord, you are holy. You are mighty. You are just Father, you are loving, you are merciful, you are gracious. And Lord, you are sovereign. And Lord, you're worthy of our praise. And Lord, also because of who you are and because of the truth of your word, you are worthy of our attention today. You're worthy of our heart and our minds to be open, to be receptive to your word, Father, that we can deal with something that we all struggle with in here every single day of our life. Lord, would you help us? 
Lord, to be receptive to your word, that we can be transformed by it from the inside out, that we will not be deceived, that we will not be swayed by the culture and deviated in our speech or our conduct in any way that would bring dishonor to your name. Lord, that everything we say would be edifying to you and to others, and that, Lord, you would use us, again, as a light in the darkness to speak truth and love to others, and then that we would be a model of you on how and what it looks like to be surrendered to Christ, and how then you control the deepest parts of our life and even the words from our tongue. Lord, would you come and do that in every single heart and life at the sound of my voice today, Lord? We give you praise for what you're about to do in Jesus' name. Amen. So our teaching passage today is going to be in James chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 2 through 12, so you can go ahead and turn to that and get ready. But as we start, I think it's it's amazing to me how some people will look at so many things in life, a lot of things that we've just preached over the, the past few weeks and plus many others, and they would point to these specific things, these specific lifestyles, these specific circumstances and say, that's sin, right? And they would stand strong on that. And at the same time, while they're pointing this out, there would be something going on else in their life, specifically maybe something regarding the tongue that they haven't dealt with their self and that is running loose in their life and even to the point of maybe even justifying to say, well, that's not sin, actually. That, that sin over here, we know that, but nah, not this. This is, this is justified. This is innocent. This is, you know, I have complaints. I, I should have a right to, to voice my complaints and my concerns and what somebody did to me. I should have a right to, to lash out. That's not sin. Is that what the Bible says, though? Let's see. Because here's the issue. So many people will want to point at so many other things and point it out as sin, but not look and remove the plank from their own eye first <laughs> and what's going on in their own life. Was that a, a, a church planning conference back at the beginning of the planning of this church? And um, went to this place, and it was thousands of other pastors and church leaders. And I mean, it was just huge. Packed this whole place out, and, and it, it was really cool. It was really upbeat. It was all the upbeat, you know, church planners and churches that were existing. It had thousands of members to new church plants. And, you know, everybody was wearing skinny jeans except me, you know, and everybody had Starbucks coffee except me. It was like one of those things, right? And so I was already feeling a little out of place. So anyway, good praise and worship and to start. And then the first speaker up, the first one on the first day, first words out of his mouth. Aren't you excited about our new freedom in Christ? Yeah, okay, yeah. Christ come to set us free, amen. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that, let's go. Next words. You see, it used to be, back when I first got saved, you used to have to stop cussing and drinking, and now we can do both. And the whole place erupted in cheer. I kid you not. Pastors and church leaders. And my heart sank. And I was like, Lord, I'm in the wrong place. But he said, Brad, I I knew this was going to break your heart, but I wanted to show you 
what you're up against. When you make a stand for me because not just the world, but even the church is going the wrong direction. That's why God called me to be up here. I ran from this for two years because I was a physical therapist. I was doing evangelism. I was like, Lord, I'm good. But he knew deep down what he had put in my heart that my heart was broken over the direction of the church of America as a whole in the direction that it was taken because of spineless pastors in the pulpit, not raising lions, but raising sheep. And I saw it firsthand and it broke me. And then not too long after that, just a couple years ago, I was in a, a situation where it was a, a, Christ, a, a bunch of Christian coaches in a Christian environment and we just got in a normal conversation and a Christian coach kind of looked over and said, you know, the, it, it doesn't matter kind of what we say, you know, how we talk and if we cuss or not, it doesn't matter. And, you know, it's like, I was just listening. And he said, you know, the Bible really doesn't say anything about that. Like I, he said, I, I knew a great Christian, just a solid Christian man. He said, but man, he cussed like a sailor because that's what he was used to and that's what he'd always done. And, and, but I know he loved the Lord, but man, he would just let him fly and said, the Bible doesn't really say anything about that. So it's not a big deal. And I was like, Really? So what does the Bible say? Do we have freedom to fly off at the mouth and the tongue and to speak like the world speaks and claim the name of Christ with the same tongue? Let's listen to James. James chapter three, verses two through 12. For we all stumble in many things, amen. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. So how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. That's the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. And I would beg to differ to my brother on the word of God says nothing about it. And there's a lot more. 
But here's the thing. Again, going back to the beginning, it's not just about the symptoms. It's not just about try to tame the tongue, try to tame the tongue. What's, what does James say? Nobody can do that. You cannot do that on your own. It is impossible. But with Christ, all things are what? Possible. And there it is. So we already see this isn't about legalism. This isn't about just trying harder. This is about something that Christ wants to do as a work in our heart that's going to change even the way we speak. Beautiful picture of what God does here in this message today. It goes deeper than just our words, way deeper than just our words. But James very plainly says, who is in control of your tongue shows who is in control of your life. Make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. Who is in control of your tongue shows who is in control of your life. If we're led and controlled by the Spirit, doesn't mean we won't struggle, doesn't mean we won't mess up, but an overall flowing of our tongues and our words will honor God. And we won't make excuses for the times where we do mess up. We will own it, confess it, and repent of it, and ask God to help us a different direction. All right? And I love what James does here in verse 2, right off the bat in this passage. He says, we, we all struggle. This is not just an isolated issue. This isn't a, a message where you start, yeah, I, I know so-and-so, and he just flies off at the mouth and cusses all the time, and he just can't get it right. Okay, how about looking at our own self, because we all struggle with this in different ways. No, you may not be flirting off the, the four-letter words in public like somebody you know, but there's other issues on ways you're controlling your tongue that we all need to deal with. James also alludes here through the Holy Spirit that the more your tongue is controlled, the more your lusts, passions, and other fleshly desires in your life will be controlled. That's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? And, and why? why? Why does this allude to what is the tongue by itself? Allude to the fact that you can control everything else in your life? What is that about? It's because it shows, again, who your mind, heart, and body are controlled by. Are they controlled by the spirit? Or are they controlled by the flesh, the enemy, the world, the culture? Who's controlling? Who's guiding? Who's shaping your heart, mind, and life, church? It makes all the difference. Because out of that then flows a different speech. Major work in your heart is what God wants to do. And it's going to show in righteousness and purity in so many different ways. Look at verses three through five because we get this, these illustrations, if you will, that James gives on, on what's this tongue like. And I, I love the first one because it says, just like a, a bit for a horse can guide the whole animal and steer the whole animal. So you get this picture of somebody riding a horse, this big 2,000 pound animal, solid muscle, right? Beautiful animals. And on top of this 2,000-pound animal is this little 95-pound jockey, right? Soaking wet, 95 pounds. Couldn't push me out of the way if he wanted to. But he can steer a 2,000-pound animal with just a little pull, with just a little guide. Guys, that's what our tongue can do to our life. And more so our tongue because I want you to, each time we say tongue, I want you to think heart, okay? Because that will help you today. Because again, it's not just about trying to, to make this better. It's a trying to make this better. 
for Christ. So each time we say tongue, say heart. Because that is where control comes from. I love the second one as well. It alludes to ships, the second illustration, how, how the rudder of a ship steers a ship. And so a tongue can steer your life. You got this huge, massive ship, these, these huge aircraft carriers and everything that it's amazing how they even float. And then they're pushed through the ocean. And then with this rudder at the bottom that's seemingly small compared to the size and the weight of the ship can guide the whole thing even through wind, through waves, through everything that's beating against it, trying to push it even in the opposite direction. This can steer it. Did you get that message today? The world, the culture, your enemy is trying to steer your heart, your life, your mind, and your tongue in an opposite direction. But with Christ, we can use it to steer us back the way God wants us, as done through the power of his spirit in our life, in a changed heart, through a renewed mind, all right? So we get this message, this major kind of message, if you will, that you can change the direction of your life. In order to do that, you must change the direction of your tongue. In order to change the direction of your tongue, you must change the direction of your heart and your mind. There's this overwhelming kind of that's the cliff notes on this passage if you will so the tongue's a reflection of our heart and our relationship with God how closely are we walking with him all right because left to itself our heart all right even Jeremiah says is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things so if we leave it to ourselves it is gonna be wicked evil following the culture, lashing out, spewing racism, cursing, everything else. That's what our heart does when it doesn't have Christ in control. It tears other people apart and tears our own life apart. And James says it's powerful and dangerous and even a foe. Did you catch that in this passage? That our tongue is our, can be our enemy. How many times have you said something that you wish you wouldn't have said? I've been right there. I mean, and it's either hurt me, it's either hurt somebody else, or even hurt my testimony. And I want us to think about that, that our tongue and the words we say and how we say it can kill our testimony, our Christian witness in this world. And that's our great commission, church. It's to go and make disciples. And we can squash every bit of it with that. I want you to think about how powerful this is. It can be used for good or it can be used for evil. Depends on who's controlling the engine inside. The Bible even says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Let me ask you something. Do you think with your heart? What do you think with? Mine. So does the Bible not make sense? I mean, this, back then they just not know medical stuff and they thought you thought with your heart. Or, I mean, you know, no. What is the biblical kind of context and application to that? Here it is. What's in your mind and what you put in your mind gets downloaded to your heart. And what gets downloaded in your heart comes out in your actions, in your speech. That's why as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. 
That's why the Bible says, Romans 12, 1 and 2, says we want to make ourselves a living sacrifice. And we are changed, how? By the renewing of our mind. You see, and that's why it's so important that we watch young people and even adults, what we put in here through music we listen to, through shows we watch, through people we hang out with. Because make no mistake, what goes in here will go in here. And what goes in here will come out out here. Every single time. Biblical truth right there. Watch what we put in our minds. Does it honor God? Does it? Again, not legalism. It goes back to where our heart is. Are we wanting to honor God or not? So many times that's why we need to repeat positive things. Philippians 4 even alludes to that. You know, think on whatever's holy, pure, all that stuff. Think on those things. Put the positive things in your head, the positive thoughts, not the negativity that will come lashing out in your tongue. Verses 5 and 6 in our teaching passage in James 3 alludes to the fact that this tongue will corrupt the whole person. Did you catch that? It'll corrupt the whole person. It'll corrupt, what is the words it said in the New King James in 5 and 6? Tongue is a fire, it's a world of iniquity. A tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and it sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire itself by hell. So the tongue destroys, destroys people, the person speaking, it destroys the course of nature. That means it destroys everything else around it. And then in itself, if not subject to Christ, to a heart that's changed and surrendered to Jesus Christ, gets destroyed in hell. That's huge. Verses 7 and 8, again, no one by their own human power can tame the tongue. No one. Do you ever feel like you're trying to hold words in sometimes, like really hard? Like it's just, it's just, and you just, I can't, I, I can't. And, and you do a really good job initially. And, and you don't say anything. But then that little poke just kind of, whatever it is, just kind of keeps coming. And then all of a sudden, been there? I have. You were trying to tame it, but you couldn't. You were just trying, 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 but you couldn't. And that's where the challenging part comes for each and every one of us. That point of total control and surrender, even to what we think we are ha having the right to say, do we just give that over to Christ and let him have it and give him control and reign of our tongue through our heart? It's huge to do. It's hard, but it is only going to be done through Christ. Verse 8 says it's a deadly poison. I want you to think about that. It's like a poison. And so many times our words of, of hate, our words of cursing, our, our, our words of gossip and slander and everything else that can come out the, of our mouth that's evil come from a heart of bitterness. There's something inside of us we feel like we've been hurt. We feel like there, somebody's done us wrong. We, we feel like there's some kind of injustice or, or something and we don't know what to do. We don't feel like we're in control of the situation so we just spew. And the Bible says it's like a deadly poison and we, we know what poison does, right? When you take it in your body, I mean unless it's like really some of that special stuff, when you first ingest or, or get injected with a poison or like a snake bite, do you die immediately? 
No, it takes a little bit of what? Time. And it starts like the first time, it's like, ah, well, it's in there, but I don't feel anything yet. But then as it stays in there and it's not dealt with and the anti-venom is not given to that snake bite, it starts to eat away at tissue and starts to shut down organs in the body. And eventually the whole body dies. And that's what James, through the Spirit of God, is alluding to. It's like this poison. Few things in this world the Bible alludes to can do as much damage as our tongue. One spark can burn an entire force to the ground. Devastating effects, just from something small. We've all seen and heard about the forest fires that were started with, with one spark, with, with one cigarette, with one whatever, and burns hundreds of thousands of acres just from something so small. The Bible alludes to our tongues and our words as that. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to get a, a word here that there's seven things God hates. Did you ever think about that? That there's some things that God is just really just, just doesn't sit well with him. And here it is, and, and the Bible lists some of them out for us, lists these seven out for us. So let's read them in verses 16 through 19. It says, these six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. Very few things called an abomination, but number seven's an abomination. So let's catch this. It's pretty important. Number, verse 17, a proud look. That's arrogance. That's pride. God resists the proud, always. Let's keep going. A lying tongue, there you go. One way the, the tongue can spew evil is through lies and deceit. Third thing, hands that shed innocent blood. And even in some ways, your tongue can do that. Number four, a heart that devises wicked plans. Oftentimes your tongue is a big part of that as well, devising wicked plans with others. Next one. Feet that are swift to running to evil. Yes, you can do things with your body and your feet, but you can also run swiftly to evil with your tongue. Next one, a false witness who speaks lies. There it is again. Here's number seven, an abomination to him. You ready? One who sows discord among the brethren. Oh, gossip, slander. church dividing spirit God sets himself against that but boy is that the overlooked sin in the church of America the gossip the slander oh how we're good at putting other people down oh how we're good at putting things down that we don't think go the way we think they should we already talked about in our spiritual warfare series what the Absalom spirit does. And Absalom spirit is a spirit, a church dividing spirit that comes through the tongue, through behind the scenes chatter and talk against leadership to undermine. And we know Absalom was the son of David and he felt like David didn't handle this rape case like it should have been handled. So he had perceived hurt in his heart. And as such, he went behind and gathered people against David's leadership as king to take it down. And that's what the Absalom spirit seeks to do in the church. 
is to divide and conquer through the tongue. And here's the scary part of that. Often the part of the people that, that go and that they think they're justified in, in what they're speaking and what they're saying, but they don't have the whole picture. They don't know what really happens behind the scenes. They don't know really half the details that are truth, and they have the wrong perception. And that's huge because your perception is your reality, isn't it? And, and so many times, we can be deceived in our perception. I want you to realize that. You can be deceived in a picture. We get pictures all the time on Facebook and stuff through filters and stuff. That's deceiving, right? Or how about you get a different angle of a picture. Remember one time there was a picture of Prince Harry. And one photographer from one angle had the picture and it looked like he was flicking the crowd off when he got out of the car. And it legitimately looked like he was just giving everybody the bird. But then from the other angle, it showed what he was doing it was actually a wave. He was just waving. But from one angle, he was flipping the bird. From the other angle, he was greeting people with a smile on his face. Oh, how angle and perception is huge. Satan wants to give you the wrong picture. So he can take you down, take a church down, take somebody else down, and harm the body of Christ every single time. And oftentimes it's unfortunately done as a prayer request in the church, isn't it? Pray, pray for brother so-and-so. Or you come to somebody with a spiritual concern, right? And, and you make it spiritual so it's all wrapped in, in fluff. But it's gossip and with a motive or an agenda behind it. And it can destroy. You ever had somebody slander you? Or been in a situation where somebody said something untrue? about you, your family, your business, your church? How did it make you feel? Did it hurt? Big time. You almost feel helpless, like you, like you can't defend yourself. So we have sins of the tongue that really we've become anemic to, really three. I've already alluded to the first one, gossip. And we showed this in Proverbs 6, God hates it. Here's the thing we have with gossip. We have a responsibility, are you ready with gossip? We have a dual responsibility, two things. First of all is don't do it. Second, don't receive it. You see, because gossip takes two things. It takes a tongue, but it also takes an ear. If you don't give that tongue an ear, then it stops right there. Do you see the dual responsibility? Yeah, we know we shouldn't do it, but don't listen to it either. How many times has somebody come up to you to tell you something and say they just have a few concerns they want to share? They start bringing negativity about a person, a circumstance, a situation, a business, church. And you know as they get talking that you're not directly involved in this. And you're not directly involved in the remedy of it. And they haven't gone through the proper biblical channels of going directly to that person yet, what do you do? Here's what you do. You say, excuse me. Stop, 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 stop. Ah, la, 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 la. <laughs> I'm not immediately involved in this situation. I'm not immediately responsible for the outcome or remedying this situation. So you don't need to share it with me and you don't need to share it with anybody else. 
What you need to do is go directly to that person and get it right quickly. That's what you do every single time. Do not listen to it. It's uncomfortable to tell that person to stop. But it's for their good. It's for your good. It's ultimately for the body of Christ's good. Shut it down. Say, I love you, but you need to follow Matthew 18 and get this right. You don't need to be talking to me. So if you're taking notes on this, here's your rule to follow. If you're not a part of the immediate problem or a part of the immediate solution, then initiate immediate biblical redirection. If you're not a part of the immediate problem or a part of the immediate solution, which means you don't need to be in the conversation, then initiate immediate biblical redirection. Speak truth in love, right there, opportunity to shut down gossip. It's amazing how these people feel so easily they could come share with this person, this person, this person, this person, and never go to the person they really need to go to. And it's sin. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32 follows this. I think it's a great verse on this. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. There you go. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. That slams the door on gossip, does it not? God's word is beautiful. Second really kind of sin that we've become anemic to is just complaining and grumbling, right? So many times we're, we're good at that. Just the, the whining about our circumstances and taking, not wanting to take steps for correction. And here's the thing, everyone complains, we're all guilty of it again. We're all guilty of this. And here's what, here's what complaining does. It casts doubt on God's sovereignty. I mean, we can go back to Philippians. We just went through the whole book of Philippians in six months. And do we need to do it again? Probably not, right? But you can go back and listen to it. It's online. And, and how Paul had joy in circumstances, and he didn't complain, and he didn't whine about where he was. And instead, he looked for opportunities to further the gospel, and even said, these chains are of Christ. God put me here. You ever thought about that, the situation you're in? God put you there to be salt and light for whatever you're in? Even as hard as it may be. Paul was in prison and possibly about to face death. How much harder than that can it get? And it was right there in Philippians chapter 2 where he said, do everything without complaining or arguing. Do you remember that, that message that Sunday? You can go back and hear it because it's there. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Why? So you can become blameless, pure, children of God without fault in this crooked generation. That's why. So people can see Christ in you. And we're not just joining in with the woe is me of our circumstances. Even in Numbers 11, when the, when the Israelites were complaining, and the, the Bible says the people were complaining and God heard it. And it, the Bible says that God's anger kindled against them. And he sent down fire from heaven and, and burned a lot of the camp around them. God hears the complaining and, and he, he doesn't like it. And he wants us to, to see things 
from an eternal perspective, and it'll change us, and it takes a heart that's changed to see it that way. So anytime we find ourselves in a habit of wanting to be negative or complaining, we can guarantee again that there's an unresolved issue in our heart that needs to be dealt with every single time. It's a heart issue. And this is what we need to ask ourselves in our circumstances, what's going on, what's happened? Can we change it? If the answer is yes, then pray for God's strength and guidance on how to take those steps to change it, all right? If the answer to that circumstance is no, you cannot change it, then you address it biblically and then give it over to God. And we don't complain and we don't lash out and we don't further divide, gossip, slander, everything else. The third one I alluded to at the beginning is kind of overlooked and we've become anemic too is cursing and name calling. Filth out of our mouth. This includes even sexual talk and, and vulgarity. And again, it's what's in your heart that God wants to clean up, pure and simple. So what does the Bible say? As my, bo- my brother, my coach, brother in Christ alluded to, the Bible doesn't say anything about that, so it's, it's just okay. Well, let's hear what the Bible says about that because where he was painfully wrong. We've already heard what James has to say. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. But now you yourselves are put off, are to put off all these. Are you ready? That means don't do them. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Are you sure the Bible doesn't say anything about that, sir? Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Can't say it any more clear than that. Ephesians 5, 3 and 4. But fornication and all uncleanliness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. There's the vulgarity and vulgar speech and talk. There it is again. Or you can even go deeper. Go old school. How about Exodus chapter 20 verse 7? Let's go 10 commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. God cares about how we use his name. And so many times we take it in vain and we just, I mean, I just cringe when I hear just people say God out of context, out of speaking directly to him. I cringe. And, and, and I've, I've heard church leaders say that. I have. It's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, even just, I mean, and here's the world we live in. We text a lot, right? And we do emails and stuff. Do you take the time when, when you type in God or Jesus, do you capitalize it? Would, if not, would you start doing that? Take that extra minute, hit the little shift button, and make that a capital G for, Jesus, for, for God and a capital J for Jesus. Honor and glorify him even in your writing. It's his name. He's not a lowercase g God. He's a capital G, the one and only God. And your text can signify that. Take that extra moment and make sure everybody knows who you're talking about and who you're talking to and glorify his name. As we close, we're looking at verses 9 through 12. It basically says, what's in your heart comes out. 
The inside comes out every single time. You want to know what's in your heart? Look at what repetitively comes out of your mouth. It's that x-ray, if you will, that we talked about at the beginning. To show that there's something else going on. These are just symptoms of an inward problem that needs to be addressed. The stress fracture, the hairline fracture, if you will, that still needs to be surrendered to Christ. You see, God wants to sanctify you and me. The Bible is very clear on that. Yes, he wants to justify you. He wants to, to make you say we're justified in Christ. But it's not finished there. He didn't go to the cross just so you could go to heaven. Did you know that? How selfish would that be if we thought that it was just about us? It's about others. So therefore, that's why, yes, he wants to justify you so now his righteousness becomes yours so that through the process of sanctification, his righteousness now comes out of you so that other people can see Christ in you so they can get saved. So he went to the cross, not just for you, but to use you to shine the light to others. That's it. That's salvation. That's the great commission. And that's what we're all set out to do, to honor God with our bodies and everything we do, all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, every bit of us to glorify God. Matthew 12, 33 through 37 makes it pretty clear. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, Jesus says, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. There it is again. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth evil things. Here it is. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That's not my word. That's Jesus' words. Do our words matter to God? Yes. How do we control and change our words? By letting God change this. That's the only way. We all love John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. Do you know what verse 17 says? It's a lovely verse. It says, Jesus said, because I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. You see, Jesus is not coming up here through his word trying to condemn you right now. Convict you, yes, beautiful. The word is there to teach, train, rebuke, rebuke, and correct. It's good for it. But not to condemn. But you know what will condemn you? Your heart and your words if they're not surrendered to Christ. So what choice have you made with your heart? Who's, light, who's leading it? Who's got the reins on the bit of your heart? Is it you and your flesh? It's dangerous. Is it the world and the culture? It's dangerous. Is it the enemy, Satan? It's really dangerous. 
why don't you take the reins and give it to somebody who wants to give life with it? Give it to Jesus. Let him have the reins of your heart. Let him have it. Just say, Lord, I, I've messed this up on my own. God, I, I, I've, I didn't know you cared so much about the words and the things that come out of my mouth and I've messed this up. And right now I want to confess that. I don't want to, I want to turn to you and surrender and I want to repent of that. And I can't change this. I can't, even James told me, I, I can't fix it myself. I need you. So as I surrender my heart to you and I start making a decision to only put good things in my head and, and to leave the trash out of my mind, I want you to therefore renew my mind, change my heart that'll change my tongue in my life. That's what James says. It's beautiful. You see, gaining information today will not change you. Let me say that again. Gaining information today, this word, just gaining it and knowing it will not change you. What changes you? How you act on the information that God's given you. That's what changes you. I could give you the best workout routine and diet plan mapped out for the next six months. I could give it to you, lay down everything you need to do, and you could look like a Greek god in six months, right? Maybe. <laughs> but I could give it to you, and you could have all the information right there, right? But it's just me giving it to you and you having it. Will that give you the results you want in six months? You could even take it home and read it every day. You can memorize it. You can memorize the whole six-month plan I give you. You can memorize this. But until you download it to right here, until you live it out in your life and put action to the word of God, you're never going to change. So let's be hearers, not just hearers of the word, but let's be doers. So closing completely, seven truths really quick, of being a tongue tamer. Confess first. Confess, repent of, and ask forgiveness for any harmful words that you've spoken. That's the first thing we need to do. Get it right with God. Get it right with others. Confess, repent, and ask forgiveness for any harmful words we've spoken. Number two, know the tongue releases what the heart is full of. So put in your mind what's eventually going to go to your heart and come out in your life. Garbage in, garbage out. Number three, taste your words before you spit them out. That's a good one, isn't it? Is what I'm about to say lifting others up? Is what I'm about to say going to scar me or my testimony for others? Is what I'm about to say ultimately going to glorify God or dishonor God? There it is, pure and simple right there. Is God going to be pleased with what's about to come out of my mouth? Number four, give up your self-conceived right to complain. Give it up. God's sovereign, we are not. Give up your right to complain. Take a message out of the book of Philippians. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Why? So that you become pure children of God in this world. Number five, commit to honoring God with all your words from your mouth. 
both public and private. So many times we get in that car driving down the road and what's evil in our heart just comes mumbling in our mouth to ourself. You ever been there? I have. Oh, I'd never speak those words out in public, but I sure speak them in my heart and my mind in private. It dishonors God just the same because there's a heart issue that he wants to address in me and in you to change those thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10.5 alludes to that, to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Can we do that? Because so many times what gets ready to come out of our mouth first started right here, plain and simple. So if we take every thought and we make it captive to the obedience of Christ, we've therefore started to gain victory over our tongue. Number seven, set a model in conduct and speech for others. Set a model in conduct and speech to others. I love that. You're basically surrendering everything to Christ. Psalms 19, 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I love Psalms 141, 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. There's a good one to memorize, isn't it? Let God have control because 1 Timothy 4, Titus 2 alludes to, we're setting an example. 1 Timothy 2 said, don't let anyone look down on your youth, but set an example in speech and in conduct to others, to other believers. Titus 2 says that, that we should do the same to set this model of conduct and speech. It's so important that we model Christ's likeness in every facet of our life. And that church is taming the tongue. It's not done through just treating the symptoms. It's done through getting under the hood and looking at what's really going on and letting Christ heal it. Because then he's gonna change what you say by changing your heart. And then you don't have to worry about it anymore. So stop trying harder and surrender at the foot of the cross today. Total authority of your life, of your heart, of your thoughts to Jesus and his word. And you'll tame the tongue. Bow your head, close your eyes. been a, a message we all needed today, myself included, and every single one of us, the Lord's dealt with me so much this past week, and how I myself just prone to complaining, prone to grumbling, and man, it just takes away from the sovereignty and the situation that God has us in for purpose. Have you been there too? Maybe you've been there, and maybe there's, there's been a pattern of filthiness out of your mouth, and and whatnot, and it goes back to, Lord, maybe I haven't surrendered all of my heart to you, and today I need to give you that, that last piece. You know, you've done a work, you've started a work in my life, and Lord, you want to continue sanctifying my life, even my tongue. And I still got a little stress fracture in there. I still got a little hairline fracture that I, wanted, I want you to take care of today. Maybe you're here, and the first step you need to say is, Brad, I need to give my life completely and wholly over to Christ to start with. 
If that's you today, you want to receive the Lord for the first time, I want to lead you through a prayer. I want you to speak from your heart to God's heart, mean business with God. Here's a beautiful thing. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You don't have to get your life right first to come to Jesus. You just come, and he does the work of cleaning it up. Will you come to him today? Will you surrender your life to him right now today for the first time? Pray this prayer from your heart to God's heart. Or if you're here today and you said, Brad, I, I've drifted. I, I've been a Christian earlier in my life, and I've drifted away, and I've, I've been swayed by the culture and the world and things I've been putting in my head with music and, and movies and, and everything, and, it, and it's tainted what's come in my heart, and it's come out in my actions and in my speech. And today, I, I want that to be cleaned up through the power of Christ, and I want to rededicate my life to him today. Or if I just want to rededicate my life, it has nothing to do with my mouth. I, I, maybe I... Maybe I've had pretty much good control over that, but there's been something else that's just drifted me. And I want to come running back to the cross today. I want you to pray the same prayer from your heart to God's heart. So to do business with him, receive him for the first time or rededicate, just say, dear Lord, I'm coming to you right now and I'm surrendering. I'm putting on my white flag, Lord, and I'm surrendering all to you right now, every single bit of me. And I'm admitting to you that I'm a sinner and I've messed this up myself and I'm in need of you, my Savior, to heal me, forgive me, and set me on a new path. Thank you for sending Jesus, your only son, to die on the cross that I could have forgiveness of my sin, that I could be redeemed, restored, renewed today. And thank you for raising from the grave three days later, proving you were God so that now I can have that same victory in my life and I can be set free. That I can be free in Christ, but not free to sin. I can be free from the power of sin. I can now be free from the bondage of my sin, but I'm never free to sin. So Lord, help me and give me strength to walk that path. And Lord, my commitment to you is from this day forward, you have my life. Every step I take and every breath I take is for your glory from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, you meant business with God right here today, receiving him for the first time or rededicating your life to him. Would you boldly and unashamed, with nobody looking around, I'll be the only one that sees. And the Lord, raise your hand. Say, Brad, I prayed that prayer. I see it. If God, if I don't see it, God does. Say, Brad, I prayed that prayer. I meant business with God today. Amen. All over this place, Lord, does it work. Lord, today pray that you would only do what you can do, Father. Can we give the Lord a big round of applause right now for what he's doing continuously every week through the presentation of his word? And as we say each week, let's take this and let's, let's really meditate on God's word. And Lord, what would you have us do? How, how would you have us have our heart healed so that even what comes out of our tongue and our mouths continuously only gives praise and glory to you? That's huge. That's sanctification. And that's being a light for Christ. That's speaking the truth in love. And that's making an impact for Jesus. We'll see you next week. Go make an impact for Jesus. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work. And we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ.